want to speak about choosing, choosing for yourselves. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whom you will follow after. Who are you following? Because it matters who's in charge. Sat-navs are brilliant things, aren't they? What a great invention. I can actually get from A to B now. First time in my life. But they sometimes let you down when you get right near where you're going. Have you noticed that? No matter how far you go, you travel, you can go from one end of the country to the other and you're fine. But when you get right near where you're going, it goes a bit skew-whiff. I end up arguing with my sat-nav. No, you don't turn left here. I know that for a fact. Turn left, turn left. No, I'm not turning left. I'm going straight on. Do a U-turn, do a U-turn. No, I'm not going back. I know where I'm going. Be quiet and argue until I get there. But if I don't know where I'm going, I end up in a cul-de-sac or the other side of a lake. So, they're not all that good, are they, really? They don't get, really get you where you're going. Joshua was a great leader. He was born into slavery. Joshua went up Mount Sinai with Moses. He was chosen by Moses to be his successor and lead the Israelites to claim the promised land. He was full of the spirit of wisdom. What a great leader. It matters. I'm going to say this a lot. Who's in charge? It makes a big difference. Who the head teacher is in a school affects the whole school, doesn't it? You can get a good head teacher who can turn a school around, take it out of special measures, and make it a top school that everyone wants to go to. Hospitals. It matters who's in charge of a ward in a hospital. I remember when I was having my first baby, used to go in hospital for a week or more in those days. And it was a long ward, the old-fashioned ward, you know, with 12 beds down each side. Still have them at North Manchester General. And there was a, a matron in charge of this ward, and she was a battle axe. The, the nurses were frightened to death of her, scurrying around, you know, frightened to death of getting told off. All us mothers were sat up in bed, sat up straight in bed when she, when she came down. Now, when I was 21, I knew it all. I knew everything there was to know about pregnancy, childbirth, and babies. Could I speak to people who'd had babies already, like Lynn? We'd have long conversations and get all their advice. I read the Dr. Spock books, the James Dobson Christian parent book. I read everything, all the pamphlets. So I knew it all, like you do when you're 21. And because we were together for quite a few days, all the other mothers, we used to chat. And I used to give them my wisdom and advice. Oh, no, you don't do it like that, you do it like this. I knew it all. And I had a baby that slept all the time, and all the other mothers had crying babies. So they were saying, oh, how do you do it? And I said, As if it was, you know, 
anything up to me. And one day the matron was marching down the ward and one of the mothers said, please, uh, and asked her a question. She said, oh, I don't know, ask Mrs. Stacy." <laughs> but when she went home at the end of the day, the whole ward heaved a sigh of relief and the nurses started laughing and chatting and joking and everything changed. And it matters who's in charge. <clears throat> it matters who's in charge of countries. In some nations, they're burning down churches. In other nations, they're building churches. It matters who's in charge. Because Joshua followed God and the people followed Joshua, they had success. And he assembled everyone and he reminded them of their history. The last 760 years from Abraham up to that moment. And he said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Moses gave a similar speech to all Israel. I have set before you life and death, life good, death evil, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life. It's interesting, isn't it, that after all, all God had done for them, there were those amongst them still clinging to the gods of Egypt. And there were those already being lured into the gods of the Amorites. They had choices. They could choose Baal, Asherah, the mother goddess of the moon. That was Solomon's downfall. There was the sun, the storms, the fertility, rain, the sun, ox, frogs, flies, the Nile, all created things. The Amorites served a god called Molech, detestable god. And it was all involved with sexual immorality. That was the lure that lured them. Nothing much changed, has it, in the world today? There was child sacrifice and we all go, <gasps> all involved cult prostitution and human sacrifice. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself whom will you serve? 
We have to choose. It's not whether you will serve God, but which God will you serve? Every person has a God, a passion that governs your life. Even atheists have that knowledge and their intellect, which they put first. But have you noticed that everyone blasphemes? Muslims, Jews, atheists, children. It's all, oh God, oh my God, for God's sake. All the time, everyone says it, don't they? You have to teach your children when they come home from school saying, oh my God, don't they? Pick it up. It's the first thing they pick up. Have you noticed that? You have to say, try and get them to say, gosh. But it's interesting, isn't it, that atheists... Atheist blaspheme. And when things get really bad, when there's a a real shock or something terrible, God doesn't work, does it? Then they say Jesus Christ, don't they? And I don't know about you, but I hear it all the time. I have two jobs and I hear it all the time. Oh, everybody, turn the TV on. You don't even have to go out of your house, do you? I have an auntie. She's in her 80s now and she's been an atheist. All her adult life. And she was, she was, she wasn't very well, so me and my mum went to visit her. And we were there about one and a half hours, and we were chatting, and we had a lovely time, we cheered her up. And she loves me, she knows I'm a Christian, and she loves me, and she would never do anything to offend me, but in that time I was there, she said the name Jesus Christ three times. She didn't know she was saying it. People don't know, because if you, if someone says Jesus Christ, And you say something to them, they go, oh, I'm sorry. You don't know they're saying it. Why? Because a subconscious mind has God awareness. Everybody knows. Even if they say it with the head that they don't know, they do know. Because God has made them. He has put his image in them. Body, soul and spirit. Leonard Ravenhill says... Isn't it amazing that God gives breath to a man who is going to blaspheme him all day? It matters who is in charge, who is in control and who we choose. I can say amen to this if you want. I choose to believe in God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God. By faith, I understand that God commanded the universe into being. By faith, Noah built an ark. I choose to believe there was a global flood that reshaped the earth. Thank you. I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the account of their lives. Of Moses, of Joshua, judges. King David and his family line. The prophets. I believe in Jesus Christ, the word. The root of Jesse, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The beloved son of God. Every word, every miracle. I believe in the cross and the resurrection. The Lamb of God, seated at the right hand of God, the majesty on high, 
and that the promised Holy Spirit he has poured out. Amen. Let's have a look at some other leaders. Stephen, the apostle, came before the Sanhedrin. He'd been accused of blaspheming against Moses and God. They were jealous of him. And he gave an account very much like Joshua. He started with Abraham and he went right through Jacob, Israel, the famine. And there were just about no more than 70 of them that went into Egypt. But they became fruitful. They multiplied. They grew strong and prospered. Acts chapter 7 verse 18. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. So they were exploited and reduced to severe slavery. It matters who's in charge. Who is in charge? Matthew 4 verse 8. The devil took Jesus up a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, all these things I will give you if you will worship me. Who is in charge of oppression, of human trafficking? Who is in charge of the missing children never seen again? Who is in charge of the millions of unborn babies that are slaughtered every year? I'm not blaming the mothers or the culture, the pressure, the doctors. There is a higher power at work. Of course, it matters who's in charge. Let's look at another king. The last king of Judah, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for three months. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father had done. At that time, the officers of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, advanced on Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And Nebuchadnezzar himself came up to the city while his officers were besieging it, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, his mother, his attendants, his nobles and all his officials, all surrendered to him. Through the prophets, God pleaded with the kings of Judah to turn away from idols. Over and over, king after king, there came a time when God said, right, that's enough. You've got two choices. You can stay in Jerusalem and you'll die because you'll be starved out because the Babylonian army were surrounding the city. So you'll starve or you'll die of disease. If you come out and try and fight, you'll be killed by the sword. That's your one choice. The other choice is you can be taken captivity into Babylon. And... Jeremiah said, 
And to this people you, Jeremiah, shall say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. So Jehoiakim was the last king, the end of the dynasty of David, that royal line that had gone from father to son, father to son, ended. Jehoiakim chose to ignore all Jeremiah's prophetic warnings, and there was a lot. He would not give up his idols, and he was sent to prison in Babylon for 37 years. Jehoiakim released in the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the year Arwell Marduk became king of Babylon, he released Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. He did this on the 27th day of the 12th month. You can see God's time in there. The end of the year, isn't it? Right at the very, very end of the year. God's never late. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat of honour higher than those of other kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put aside his prison clothes and for the rest of his life he ate regularly at the king's table. Day by day, the king gave Jehoiakim a regular allowance as long as he lived. You see a gospel message there. Jeremiah again, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and do wisely and execute justice and righteousness. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and this is his name. The Lord, our righteousness. The angel said, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, which means saviour. There is a new king on the throne. He was set free. There's nothing that God can't release you from. There is no pit so deep that God can't dig you out. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. He spoke kindly to him. Even on the cross, Jesus spoke kindly to the criminal. He said, today you will be be with me in paradise. In all his agony, he spoke kindly. He was given a seat of honour. He was a VIP. He has raised us up together with him and we are seated in heavenly places. He put aside his prison clothes, those filthy rags. The Bible calls our righteousness filthy rags, so I don't know what our unrighteousness is like. He had garments of praise and he was clothed in righteousness. He ate at the king's table. In Psalm 81, we read, we are fed on the finest of the wheat, 
the honey from the rock, the living bread, water, living water. Our cup overflows. He was given a regular allowance. My God provides all my needs. Every day, morning by morning, new mercies, fresh grace, a double blessing for your former trouble for the rest of your life. This is who we serve. But we still have to choose. We still have to use that God-given free will choice. Do you know, unbelief is a prison. It's your choice. We have to choose to forgive. I mean, forgiveness, it's a lovely idea, isn't it? Lovely. Until you have to do it. We have to choose to put God first in our lives. We have to choose to think positive. We have to choose to praise God no matter how we're feeling. It's a choice. We have to choose to find things to be thankful for in a negative situation. We have to choose to give the Holy Spirit free reign in our lives and in this church. Then we will have great success. Great success. You know, God has a plan for every one of us. We've heard it all before, haven't we? God has a plan for your life. But if we choose to follow God, we'll see that plan. And it'll be the most amazing. You couldn't plan anything better for your life. If you planned your own life and you saw it come to, come to be, everything that you planned came to be, it wouldn't be as good as what God's plan is for you. Just love him so much. He's done so much for us. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. But as for me, my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen.